It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Martha, so good to see you. And so good to see you. Well, you know, I have to say thank you for 17 years of contributing to O Magazine with all of your... Wow. It was 17 years. Can you believe you... Oh, my every, gosh. Every month you had another insight into some extraordinary <laughs> experience, wisdom sharing, and you did that so profoundly over oh, the years. Thank you so much. And you it know, was we a just recently, we just recently were asking people what impressions O Magazine had made on their lives and what were the lasting moments that it meant something to them. And I can't tell you so, so many people said, reading Martha Beck, reading Martha Beck, I learned this from Martha Beck. They saved the columns, which is exactly what Aww. I was told when I started this magazine by uh, Ellen Levine and Kathy Black. They were saying, people save the articles and they pass them on and they yeah. share with their friends. And that's exactly what has happened to your words and it's your amazing. wisdom. So, yes. So thank, thank you, you for giving me a voice. Oh my gosh, for just hanging in there with me. Well, we were just one of, the many, one of the many platforms for you. So I think this is a perfect time to check in with you because you are always so centered and wise <laughs> in your advice and helping people through the crises in their lives. Yeah. And we have all now experienced this collective crisis. <sighs> and I, I wonder what for you is the greatest lesson you've learned about yourself during the pandemic? Hmm. Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that I really, really do not need that many pants. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like shirt, you know, Zoom shirts, but like three pairs of yoga pants, and I'm set, right? Oh, uh, yes. No, that's 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 great. I was going to ask you, what is it you've learned you can live without, and what is it you've learned that you absolutely need to live? Mm, yeah, yeah, don't need pants. No, I, I did realize. I thought that I was losing so much. You know, when I pulled back from sort of normal human life. And what I found was that my body was returning to the rhythms of nature. And so I started sleeping differently. I started eating differently. And I found out that less stimulation is really good for my nervous system. So I don't, I don't know whether that's more or less. More peace, more quiet, um, or less stimulation, less interaction. But my nervous system itself, it was like finding an animal that had been living under the stairs that needed a really slow pace of life. And as it woke up, I just, I sort of thought, oh, that's who I am. I never knew. Well, that's so interesting because that is some of, some of the same thing has happened to me. I certainly mm. noticed a change in sleep patterns. And part of it is, you know, I have discovered that the great, great, great luxury in life is not money or even all the things that money can bring, but it is being able to wake up when your body wants to wake right. up. Oh my God, that's made such a huge difference to me. My Since whole life I've had you know, chronic health problems and everything and just sleeping till I wake up. It's the most basic thing animals do. And we're like, I don't know, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> You're so right. You're so right. But it is, I just find it to be, and when I wake up, I was like, wow, I didn't have an alarm. I had to, right. I, 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 get to I get to figure out now what my next move is going to be whether or not I'm going to reach for that phone or whether or not I'm going to get up and have, you know, a quiet meditative moment or spend some time in stillness. So I, I, that's been very powerful for me. I know you've said that this time it has been a reckoning for all of us throughout the world, for our country, for individuals. How do you describe that reckoning? Well, Blaise Pascal said that all our miseries come from the fact that we cannot sit quietly alone in a room. Mm. And of course, in the East, they do that all the time and call it meditation. But it's very rare in the West for people to just sit quietly alone in a room. And many of us were driven to that. And the reason it's so scary is that when you're quiet alone in a room, the truth rises up. And, you know, that happened to me when I started meditating. All my fears, all my anger, all my everything came bubbling up, and it was terrifying at first. Well, now it's not just as a nation, but as a global species. A lot of people have been sitting quietly alone in rooms. And in this country in particular, like the collective nightmares that have been going on under the surface forever rose up into the quiet spaces and said, hey, it's time to it's time for you to deal with me, all of y'all. And that's the great reckoning. Well, you know, so many people around the world have dealt with incredible loss and mm. not just loss of loved ones, people who have experienced as yeah. is, as you know, not having people sitting at the table who used to sit at the table with you, losing yeah. the sense of who we were in the world, losing our identity with the things that we did and the pants that we wore and the number (laughs) of pants that we had in our closet. I mean, when this started to shut down, I thought, what are all the people going to do who rely on their visuals and the externals for their identity? What's going to happen to all those people who need that to survive in the world or to feel their own identity? So all of this loss... How can we shift our mindset to avoid focusing on the loss and begin to move forward? Well, I think you have to identify the loss as something positive. Um, When I had my son with Down syndrome and I could have terminated and my advisors at Harvard told me I was throwing my life away and I was because I had this child now with an intellectual disability. And they were right. They were absolutely right. I threw away the life that I'd been working toward. Fortunately, that life sucked, and the life I got back was something that was much more open. It wasn't based on intellectualism. It was based on heart and love and truth. And so when you lose something, you have to go through the grieving process, and it's not fun. But what breaks is what isn't true for you. And that, to let that fall and to know that the shattering of self is just a layer of ego and that mm-hmm. every time something shatters, the light inside at your core is shining through more brightly and will bring you more joy as well. So to look at it as a process that you're going through, almost like childbirth or something, it hurts, it's horrible, and it's beautiful, and it's the beginning of something new. Well, I think what you're saying about what you're living isn't true brings us to your new book. I have to say, hmm. Martha, this new book, The Way of Integrity, which you can you know, get in an instant if you were to download it. You can download on Apple Books immediately. But I would have to say it's so profound in so many ways and so appropriate for this moment in time. First of all, I love the title, The Way of Integrity. So can Mm. you, I love the example that you give in the beginning about being on an airplane and how no matter if you're a world traveler or you just travel sometimes, you've experienced that moment when they say, ladies and gentlemen. So can, can you take us to that moment to begin to explain what integrity means? I thought this was such a great example. Cool. Yeah, a lot of people think integrity is like somebody in a pulpit going, be good. And I don't really like that definition. I'm not a big, huge fan of that religious position. But There's another meaning for integrity. It simply means whole, intact, one thing. Same as the word integer, it means one thing undivided. So when a plane is in structural integrity, all its parts are working together and it can fly. 
And if some of those parts aren't in structural integrity, they're broken or they're out of alignment or whatever, that plane could crash or fail to take off or not be steerable or whatever. So they're checking to see if the plane is in complete integrity, working as one thing before they fly. And all of us are glad that that's happening because no one wants to go up in a plane that's not in structural integrity. And our lives are the same way. If we're working, if all our parts are working harmoniously and we're not fighting ourselves at any level, we are in structural, moral, physical, psychological integrity, spiritual integrity. And the things that can happen are miraculous. I mean, that we were designed to be that way. And so few of us are that way. And when we come back into alignment with ourselves, the most incredible things can happen to our lives. And so it really, because when I, when I started to read, I thought, oh, this is what I call being out of alignment or being out of the mm, flow yeah. of your, your life. Yeah. And what's so significant and meaningful about the way of integrity is that over and over and over again, you take us through experiences or lessons and ways of identifying how we each are out of integrity with our own lives. And there's something you mentioned in here that I thought was really kind of funny because when you first said, you know, talking about the hustle, can you explain mm -hmm. what the hustle is? Well, it's so interesting. I had a friend who was a drug addict um, and then she got clean and sober for 20 years. And she used to say, everybody in any room is running a hustle. That's what people are doing. They're hustling to get what they need. And she hustled on the streets to get drugs and food and money. And so I looked up the word hustle and I found out that in our dictionaries, it's kind of a definition of the American approach to life. So the first thing is to go speedily and with confidence in a good direction. Then the second thing is to make someone go somewhere you want them to. Another one is um, to prostitute yourself. And another one is to cheat and to swindle to get ahead. And so it goes all the way from the most noble, I'm going to get out there and hustle, all the way down to, I will throw away my integrity to run my hustle to get what I want. And we have to, like, it's time to give up the hustle. It's not good for us. Macy's Mother's Day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag, and Le Creuset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash gift finder. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. So you were saying we hustle in ways that we don't even know that we're hustling. Explain some of that, please. Well, just what we were talking about with the pandemic, we didn't know, like, to go quickly in a certain direction. Like, we got out of bed every single morning because machines told us to, and then, like, pounded our way through the world. That's all hustle, hustle, hustle. Not noticing, well, I noticed because I always got sick, but maybe you didn't notice as much that, that, that the body was getting progressively weaker and that the soul was slowly withering from not getting enough rest. That's putting down the hustle and looking at the truth of what the body, the heart, the soul, and the mind are all telling us at the same time. So just getting out of bed and rushing forward is a kind of hustle. And then if we're doing anything that's dishonest, it ends up really ruining our lives because the body hates to lie and hates to keep secrets. And our whole psychology breaks down when we try to do it very much. 
So it's, yeah, just to give it all up and be what you actually are, that's integrity. And you say that if you realize that you're not, and so, so, so I just want to clarify for everybody, because I think the word integrity carries with it such a sense of nobility right. and stoicness and being right all the time, almost a sense of righteousness, but you're actually talking yeah. about the opposite in the, the opposite. way of integrity. What you're saying is, and I think this is what everybody will get when you read this book, is that any time you're out of truth with yourself in the slightest of ways, yeah. it means you're like that airplane that can't take off because the slightest thing is out of order. And right. that little out of order may not crash the plane, but it may cause a bumpy ride. And so, mm -hmm. and, it, and it is the same thing in our own lives. When your life is out of order and you are doing something that is not in truth, not yeah. in alignment with yourself, not in an integrity, things are going to be bumpy. And you say, yeah. uh, if you realize you have symptoms of not living in integrity, that you must tell the truth about how lost you really are. And I think yeah. that's hard for a lot of people who are just going through the daily patterns of their lives. They don't even know how lost they are. Right. You explain when we experience lack of integrity, we begin displaying a cluster of characteristic symptoms. Yeah. And there are basically six of them. You want to go through? Yeah, the share? first one is, and this is the most common reason people come to me to be coached. You'd think it would be something more intense, but what they always say is, I don't know my purpose. I don't feel like I have any sense of purpose. They've lost the truth of their lives, the foundation, and the purpose of life is based on that. So they just feel, I don't know where I am. My compass is spinning, yeah. right? Yeah. Sense of Life feels meaningless. Is that the same thing yeah. as life feeling meaningless? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is this really worth it? I mean, it's hard and then we die. Is it, what's the point? Yeah. What am so, I doing? That question, yeah, right. what, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing here? Yeah. And uh, the second thing is just bad moods. And you could be prone to anger or fear or grief, you know, depression, anxiety. But this is what I found when I, like, I, to write this book, I tried to put myself in absolute integrity. That means if I feel something and my facial expression doesn't reflect it, I'm out of integrity. I mean, I really took this to extremes. Well, and yeah. what I found is that the slightest bad mood, if I got back to my truth, disappeared. Every bad mood I was feeling was due to a split between what I believed at a deep level and what I thought I had to do, which was stunning to me. So bad moods, and if, if don't you, you always used to use that thing of if first you get a whisper, then you get a yeah. message. Yeah. What yeah. is it? First you get a whisper, then you get the pebble, then you get the brick, then you get the brick wall. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So if you don't pay attention when you're feeling sort of irritable, it becomes huge rage or deep depression mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, because suffering is actually trying to get us back to our truth. Um, so the third thing is, I don't know if I have these in exact order, but is addiction is another thing where we start, so we're feeling bad, so we try, we start to medicate with booze or with pills or with food. gambling or whatever it is, food, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. So bad habits we can't break. Physical health deterioration, this was my big one. Like any time I get out of integrity, I just get massively ill and can't figure out why. So it's basically out of alignment when things are going wrong and you're out of alignment, these other things show up in your life. You're feeling right. all the way from, I don't know what's, I don't know what's wrong with me to, I feel depressed. I mean, I, I, I was sharing with you before we started this conversation that one of my South African daughter girls is going through a serious depression right now. And as she's, you know, finishing her master's degree and this should be the happiest time of her life. And you know what? Mm. I, after reading your book, I said, listen, I am not your therapist, but I know that there's a lot of truth in this way of integrity mm. and I'm going to send it to you because oh. I think you are out of alignment with the truth of yourself. Mm. I think, yeah. you know, you spend, I, I've seen you spend a lot of time where the looks and the blah, 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 blah is all the most important thing. And you're yeah. trying to be this version of who you think you should be. And I think for a lot of people, that ends up catching up with you in one form yeah. or another, does it not? 
In fact, you just reminded me of the things I forgot. And those two things are persistent failures in relationships and in career. So you've got someone young and starting out and ambitious and she's got tons of energy. She can actually push herself a long way in a direction that comes from culture. So the truth comes from our nature and the opposite of nature is culture. So very early on we start, and by culture I just mean any set of expectations that other people put on us. So she's working, she's young, she's a star, she's working with all these people expecting her to do great things and having certain definitions of what is a great thing to do. And that pull from, that pressure from the culture around her, from her family, from her friends, from the wider culture, it's gonna blot out her true nature. And so if she keeps going, she can succeed for a while. I mean, I succeeded yeah. in academia for a while. And then I started being unable to do things. And I've watched this with clients over and over. They start to self-sabotage in their careers. Yeah. But what they're really doing is self-saving because the career itself is the self-sabotage. So getting back to what you love, uh -huh. and then, I mean, I just was interviewed by Chase Jarvis, who's one of the world's most famous photographers, and he was going to medical school because that's what you do if you're a you know yeah. clever young man. And then his grandfather died and left him all this photography equipment, and he started fiddling around with it and went off, and everyone thought it was a disaster. And now he's like ridiculously successful and in love with his life. So he took that chance of going against culture and with nature pretty early on. And I hope she does too, but if she doesn't, she will, things will start to hurt and then she'll things correct will, Well, course. they are hurting. And one of the things that I was just looking for on my phone this, where she wrote this morning, one of the things I've learned to do is survive by withholding what feels real. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And wow. I, and I thought that is so profound because that is also where so many people are. They're surviving. Yeah just getting along in life by withholding what feels like the truth. Oh my gosh, that is a living death. It is literally to go against your truth feels like death, no matter how successful you look on the outside. And then, you know, when you were getting ready, your little Sadie came in, little yes. doggy <laughs> came in, checked out the camera, like saw how she looked and everything. And I thought, <laughs> She's in absolute perfect harmony with herself. She's in absolute integrity. And when we get into absolute integrity, we kind of behave a lot like dogs, frankly. We're like, time to go out? Yay, time to have a bath? Mm, okay, you know, like everything feels simple and sweet and good, but getting there means defying culture and that can be kind of rocky. Well, you did that when you just mm. spoke earlier about having your son, Adam, when every advice around you was saying, no, you should not go through with this pregnancy, and you did. And then in the book, you describe the moment where they bring the baby in and you see the big toe is separated Dude, from the- big. Yeah. Little too big. And you, it, it, it dawned on you, indeed, I do have a child with, with uh, Down syndrome, but you say, he has been one of your greatest teachers. And oh I love goodness. that you, tell this story in the book about one day you were late picking him up for school and yeah. not just late, you were 90 minutes late, Martha. What the hell happened, I thought. Uh, <laughs> That's me. <laughs> what the heck happened there, Martha? So you're 90 minutes late and you get there and you say, why didn't you call me? And you find him, he, he was asleep. You tell the story, I'm sorry. You go ahead and tell the story. Yeah, he was asleep. He, he worked at an elder care center and he was supposed to wait outside for me to pick him up. This was in Phoenix, so the weather was great. And I got there 90 minutes late, like like a bat out of hell. Ah! And he's just, he was sound asleep in a comfortable chair in the shade. And I went up to him and I said, Adam, what, why didn't you call me? I gave you a cell phone for this very reason. I have bad ADD, okay? And he said, I wasn't worried, I was tired. So he did what his nature said to do and he relaxed and he let culture do its thing. So, he has been your greatest teacher, one of your greatest teachers, because sure. he's always integrity and doing the thing that you need to be in integrity is living that present moment, which is why yeah. being taught by our animals is also so, so significant. Oh, it's wonderful. And we've been so separated. We've separated. One of the ways we're not intact, we're not in integrity, is we've pulled ourselves apart from nature. So we don't learn every day. During the pandemic, because it's so quiet around us, we've had foxes and deer 
and all, all kinds of little animals. And you can learn so much just by being with them, like sitting still and letting them walk up. And that's what happens often, actually, when everybody's quiet. The animals start to interact with us more. And that's one of the magical miracle things that happened to me when I started to really find my own integrity, is that animals started acting very different with me, very connected. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Well, I think a lot of people have noticed that during the pandemic, too. Certainly the birds have gotten louder. Yeah. Uh, maybe they've gotten louder because there isn't as much noise on the streets and people aren't, weren't moving around as much, but I have noticed, you know, more coyotes coming into the yard. The, all the animals are feeling like, well, hey, something is going on vibrationally. I think yeah. maybe they're feeling all that. Yeah. You know, you did something that I think is pretty tough and I want you to talk about it with us here. You gave yourself your own integrity cleanse. You made a resolution oh, yeah. to not tell a single lie, not even a social white lie, for a whole calendar year, I think that is that is a really tall order, especially the social white lie. Mm. So what impact did that have on you? Ah, that was when I was 29. I've since done it many, many other times, but this was the big, the big mama jama thing. So yeah, the year I was 29, I decided as a New Year's resolution not to tell a single lie. I was at a party and everyone was like, don't do it. Um, and I did it. And that year, let's see what happened. I, I came out of depression. I stopped feeling angry all the time. My health improved. I'd been like almost bedridden for 12 years. Um, and I started to become whole. On the outside, what happened was that I lost my family of origin, my religion, my home, my profession, my job, my marriage, all the friends I'd made before I was 20, I ended up leaving the Mormon church, which was, um, is a good way to lose like everyone quickly that you've ever known. And uh, yeah, it was, it was massive. It was traumatic. And weirdly, in the middle of all that, I felt myself healing. Very strange. Well, so, you know, when we hear that, it feels like, well, if you start telling the truth all the time, you're going to lose everything that is near and dear to you. Well, what I say is like, this is the thing. Integrity will give you everything, everything you need to be happy. Every relationship, all the money you need, your, your life's purpose, your work, everything. It will give you everything you need to be happy, but it will cost you everything else. So I always say burn every bridge but truth, which is the same as burn every bridge but love. Do you really want the things in your life that make you unhappy? Because as long as you're, as you keep them in your life, you won't be whole. You'll be split. Part of you will like it and part of you won't. Yeah, and figuring out what is actually gonna make you happy versus what the world says should make you happy. That's yeah. the true journey for, for everybody. When were you in the hospital though? When, was you, when were you in the hospital, emergency hospital, okay. and then had the near-death experience? Yeah, so this is what happened. I started telling the truth all the time. I had gone, after my son was born, I was getting a doctorate at Harvard, but in order to, I just wanted to be around people who wouldn't question my choice of keeping this baby with Down syndrome. My husband then and I went back to Utah where I could finish writing my dissertation, and I was teaching part-time at BYU, which is the Mormon University. And so I stopped telling any lies and realized I hated what I was being told to tell the students and started telling them what I thought was the truth, got in lots of trouble that way. And I was also teaching counseling at a women's resource center and I kept hearing these stories of women who'd been sexually abused as children. And one day I was behind a one-way glass teaching a psychology course and all these women, young women, started talking about being sexually assaulted. 
And I noticed it was very common at that particular location. And I started to feel as if there were fire ants under every inch of my skin. And I, I bolted out of this room and passed out on the floor. And I woke up and I was being driven to the hospital. And I was rushed into surgery. What I had was a lot of internal bleeding in scar tissue. The doctors assumed that it was from a, an unattended childbirth that had not been repaired. So that tells you what kind of scars I had. And while I, so I'd been sexually abused. And um, the next day I started having really strong intrusive flashbacks of being sexually abused by my father, who was but a the scar big, tissue, okay, uh, what the scar tissue was from what? It was from being raped when I was five. I didn't even realize that when I was reading it. Oh yeah, gosh. I don't like to really just say it like that, but that wow. is the truth, so. Oh my, yeah. that makes me so sad. Mm, it made me pretty sad for a while. Now it's okay. Now of course it okay. is, but I mean, five, to be yeah. raped at five and have scar tissue from it? Yeah, a lot of it. Wow. In fact, I had to have two surgeries to correct it before everything went, was like put in order down there. So it was pretty bad. And um, what happened was that they put me under for the surgery and all I know is that there's something weird happening. They thought maybe I had a tumor because the bleeding was internal. The scar tissue had spontaneously ruptured and was bleeding. And they opened me up and they said, well, there's all this scar tissue and it's bleeding, but we don't know why. So I was out, except that I opened my eyes and sat up, except that I knew I was on the table and my eyes were closed and I was very confused. I looked around and I watched them operate on me and I, it was just strange. I didn't feel anything physically. So I lay back down wondering what was happening and the surgical lights were above me and then right in the center of them, uh, a ball of light appeared. It was like the size of a golf ball, but unbelievably radiant. I mean, it, it was so beautiful. I can't even, there's nothing to explain how beautiful this was visually. And it started to grow and it touched my body and the feeling that went through me, this incredible warmth and love and peace and home, home, home. My whole integrity flooded into me. God, whatever you want to call it was there. And I started to cry because I was so happy to be home. And they noticed, the doctors saw that there were tears sliding down my, the sides of my face, and they thought that I, that, that I could feel the operation. So they said, give her more anesthesia. And the anesthesiologist, I talked to him later, he said he was going to put more anesthesia in, and a voice said to him, don't do that, she's crying because she's happy. And he said, I just obeyed it, did I do the wrong thing? And I was like, no, I, really, I was really happy. And it was just this complete homecoming that I hadn't felt since I was five. That's when I torn apart and how old, myself. And how old were you when this happened? How old were you? 29. 29. 29. Still 29. Yeah. And so afterwards, the doctor said to you, explain to us what, what was going on. What, what happened? The doctor said to you, what happened in there? Yeah, I, I woke up and I was sobbing and they said, oh, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, no, I'm happy. I'm happy. But I wanted to see the doctor because, I mean, I'm trained as a social scientist. I wanted to know what drugs I'd been given what the effects were, and please could I have some more? So <laughs> I had him come in, and I said, what are the effects? What, you know, I was very cagey, and he looked, he was chalk, like he was pale, he was frightened. I didn't understand why, but until I realized he thought I had felt the operation, and it was his fault. So I finally just said, he said, please tell me what happened. And I told him some, and I told him this light had come and how wonderful it was. And he told me about the voice saying, don't increase the medication. And then he said, you know how many times this has happened to me in 33 years of practice? I said, no. He said, once. And he kissed me on the head and he walked away. And mm. I just, all I could feel was just this overwhelming love. When I woke up, there was a janitor mopping the floor next to me. And the first thing I did was I just turned to him and I said, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I want whatever that drug is too. I must say. Yeah. But well, this yeah. wasn't just the this 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 was um, this was not the drug. This was your your having this 
spiritual, yeah. mystical experience. I've heard a lot of people talk about that experience. A lot of people describe it, uh, you know, this light and this feeling of, you know, pure love. How does that change the way you live from that moment forward? Well, what it told me, and it communicated sort of without words, was it said, first of all, it was like, can you believe you forgot? And we were laughing together, and the light was saying, you completely forgot. You bought the whole thing, the whole mortal thing. And I was like, I can't believe I bought this. Everything is fine. Everything is so fine. And then it said, look, you're going to go through some really hard things coming up here, but I never leave you. I am always with you. I have always been with you. And I woke up knowing, like the thing about those memories, the near-death experience, the white light experience, they don't fade over time. They remain very, very sharp. It's as if they just don't, they're not even in the brain. They don't degrade. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, and then the next day I remembered being raped by my father when I was five, but the light was there. And I could just barely tolerate the memory because of the light. And from then on, it was like, I will not deny my truth because I will not be separated from that light. Not ever, ever, ever again. I can't do that. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. One of the most empowering things you say in this book is that, on page 213, that we have the freedom to respond to every situation with creative thought or action. This reminds me of a conversation I had on Super Soul with a Holocaust cost, uh, survivor, Dr. Edith Eager. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Yeah, but yeah. She says, we can't control what's happening, but we can choose how we respond to it. How do we get people to break out of their old ways of reacting? Well, fortunately, we don't have to do anything because suffering is an ally that never sleeps and never stops doing its job. Like the moment we're off our truth, that's why I was in such huge, massive out of alignment. I was so out of integrity because I'd repressed this major issue in my life and I'd always been split. But even if we're split a little bit, the suffering begins and then if we don't heal the split, if we don't go in and say, where am I believing something that's not true for me at the deeper level? The suffering continues and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And I think we saw that during the pandemic, during the reckoning, right? The, the suffering doesn't lie down and go to sleep when we don't address it. It says, listen to me. No, you really need to listen to me until you get, as you said, the brick wall. So sometimes we have to wait for our loved ones to hit the brick wall but we don't have to do anything. Their internal mechanisms are pushing them toward integrity. You say on page 225, every single choice is a chance to turn toward the life you really want. And you advise people to steer their lives in a series of one degree turns. Explain this concept because I think anyone can handle a one degree turn because right. so often people think you gotta do this in order to turn something around. Right. And in fact, research shows that big, huge, massive changes tend to be very ineffective. They don't last where tiny little changes consistent over time create vast shifts. So you go back to the metaphor of the airplane. I just want to if say this a... again. I want to say this again though. Page 225, every yeah. single choice yes. is a chance to turn toward the life you really want. So let me try okay, this so on you. Tell okay. me three things you're meant to, that you are planning to do tomorrow. Do another interview, mm -hmm. um, take a walk up the mountain, mm -hmm. and um, watch a movie with Stedman. Okay. So when you think about doing the interview and you relax, what do you feel in your body? If I relax? Yeah, complete, and you're just completely letting yourself feel whatever you feel. Mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm looking forward to it. So what does that feel like in the body? Like, do you feel yourself sitting up more? Is it, do you yeah, feel bubbly? Yeah, I, I just did this. I just did this. There you go. So the body, the animal is always, it's like a dog. It's like, yes, I want to go for a walk. So the yes, walk up I, the I, mountain, 
Yeah. I feel the same, the same way, yeah. actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and then watching the movie with Stedman? Not so much. Because oh, I know he's going to sleep. Yeah, because he's going to sleep. And it's been an ongoing thing with us, and I keep <laughs> trying it, and he keeps sleeping, and I keep trying to find the right movie. So I'm thinking, okay, I'll do it again, but I'm going to end up watching the movie by myself. That's okay. So mm -hmm. this is an opportunity to come into greater integrity. It, it's not like you're lying and cheating in any major way. It's a little one degree turn. So if a plane makes a one degree turn every half hour, it's going to end up in a very different direction. So what could you do that would make this watching the movie with Stedman bring that joy and lightness to your body? It could be canceling it and doing something else. It could be, I don't know, you tell me. It could be going in with the attitude that yes, he is going to go to sleep again, but I'm going to enjoy the movie. And that the most important thing is, is that this is a ritual thing that we do. We're sitting together, we're being together. And you know, he'll wake up and act like he saw it. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's so annoying. So, so I'm gonna guess something. You know, I talked about the whole, the whole questioning of our belief system is the first thing you need to do. We need to look inside and see where we're not telling the truth to ourselves. Uh -huh. And then we have to like walk our talk on the outside. Let me ask you, do you have a belief that Stedman should stay awake during a movie? 1000%. Why? Well, I have a belief that, uh, yes, I was gonna say, I, I feel that about everybody. I get a real attitude Gail and her family come for the holidays or, you know, just summers. And I have actually been in experience with them where we're all watching a movie and they're all asleep. And I am... <laughs> I'm like, so why did we agree to do this if you all are going to sleep? Mainly because I can't sleep on a movie. I don't ah. care how... I can't sleep on a movie. I can't sleep with the TV on. I can't... I'm not that person. And so there's a part of me this. that... What? If you go in to your belief system, say, say to yourself right now, I have to stay awake for every show, every movie, and just see if it feels yummy or, or feels like a task. So I feel that people worked for the movie. They did their, the best they could. I'm not going to sleep on it. I can choose to not watch it. I can say mm. I'm now done, but I'm not going to sleep on it. All right. So as you're saying that to me, I got to respect these people. I know what they put into it. I've got to stay awake. What are you feeling in your body when you're telling me that? A little bit of tension, a little bit of, mm -hmm. a lot of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Every lie we tell ourselves, this is why lie detector machines. Is that work. a lie though? It, it is, is for you because lie? it tenses, it's tensing your muscles. Every truth makes us relax our muscles and every lie makes us tense our muscles. Okay. I'm so, feeling tense. Yeah, so you're getting okay. tense here, and even your body language changed, and you're like, you're yeah. touching your throat, which is, that's kind of like saying, no, I'm not going to say what I, you know, I'm not going to let what I really think come up, you know. Yeah. So any kind of tension, even the slightest, this is the one degree turn, right? This tiny little belief. I okay, have so to Okay, so tell stay me how awake. to make a better turn with watching the movie with Stedman. And so go into yourself, asleep. and what we've found is that inside you, there's a very strong sort of dictator voice saying, you don't sleep through a movie. And yes, that, there is. There is, and that is a that voice is very righteous and judgmental. Tell me where I'm wrong about that. Is it righteous and judgmental to expect you to stay awake during a movie? You have to, yeah, feel it. Like I can't sleep during a movie. We just talked about how great it is to sleep till you wake up. I know, but okay, so don't agree to the movie. Say I don't <laughs> want to watch the movie. Don't agree to the movie. Okay, but, so okay. one of the choices you could make is we're not going to watch a movie at all. Just know that if you want to do it and you feel like you can't do it, that's two things, not one thing. So you have to figure out which of those is your deeper truth. And it will always be the one that makes you feel free. So the Buddha said whenever you find water, you can know if it's the ocean because the ocean always tastes of salt. Whenever you find Enlightenment, you can know it's enlightenment no matter what form it takes because it will always taste of freedom. So whatever uh, like makes that. you feel the most free, that's your integrity. Uh, I appreciate that and I will have to say 
movie night's going to be a little different around here because I'm going to make a <laughs> one degree and then another one degree turn. I want to get to this. Ten years ago, you and I did a life class together, and during that broadcast, you told me that oh, you yeah. were gay. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize until I read this book, uh, the, the Way of Integrity, that you were, you were essentially coming out in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought you knew all along, right? And we were doing this webcast, and I don't even remember what the topic how was. How would I know all along? How would I know I all along? Well, I don't know. I, I just thought everybody knew. I wasn't, like, I wasn't into secrets and lies. Not after that year I was 29 and everything blew up. I was just like, okay. But I don't know if you remember. This woman in the audience raises her hands off script, right? And she says, I have three children, and I just realized I'm a lesbian, and I'm worried about what it'll do. And I thought, I have my cards up there to read, but... If I pretend that my life isn't the same as this woman's life, it will yeah. be a lie. And I'm not going to tell a lie like that because the light will go away from me and I can't have that. So I just mm -hmm. looked at her and I said, well, same thing happened to me. And what? I, and you just, I was focused on her. And then I saw you looking at me and you were like, and you, I'll never forget it. You said, wait, you're gay? <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like... I literally burst into flames in my mind. I mean, I was maximum embarrassment and we, we had a little back and forth about it. And I was like, maybe now Oprah hates me because I'm, you know, I didn't tell her in time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a test of my integrity to see if I would pretend that I was on some pedestal and I was different. And this woman had her own issues that I would never have. So it yeah. was that woman in the audience that gave you the freedom, actually, to say me too. I always had the freedom. I could have said it at any time. What it gave mm -hmm. me was the imperative. Like in many situations, it just doesn't come up. It's not like you meet everybody and go, hi, I'm Oprah, I'm straight. You know, like yeah. there's always this choice when you're gay, when and how to come out. But when she said, when, as she said her story, I thought, oh, Lord, here we go. I yeah. cannot lie through this. And so as far as I was concerned, the entire, my head blew up and I didn't know what was happening for the rest of the day. But at least I didn't lose that feeling of connection to the light. And, but uh, I, did, and, I didn't embarrass you or make you feel like oh you God, had no. to say that. No, you no, had I just done like this huge thing for all yeah, of with us. Ellen, with the, yes. the, you, were on, you were on her show. No, I didn't mean to, to say that you, were, you did anything wrong. I knew that you were 100% with all kinds of you. diversity. And yeah. I never thought anything different. It was just so hilarious because you're this huge, powerful figure in American culture. And it was the, it was the coming outest thing that could ever have happened. <laughs> <laughs> to have come uh, out to Oprah live on camera. And I, I'm incredibly grateful and I adore you for that. Well, I, 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 it wasn't until I, I was reading in the way of integrity that, wow, that happened. I remember that happening, but okay. At the end of the book, you talk about a friend who shared, I think it was Roe, who shared mm. this poem. And the last line of the poem is, so then came the time of the great unbuilding where everyone's name is stillness. And you write, your name is stillness. Yeah. It makes me want to cry. You know why? Because... I, I experience that so often now yeah. that I can feel that the stillness is, is me and I am the stillness and we're yes. all like all connected. So Ooh, when I, I read right now, when I read that your name is stillness, it just, I just started to do what I'm doing now, tearing up because I know this to be true. And you are a mighty stillness. Wow. Oh. And you and I talked once about the transformation of consciousness and how we all have to transform from within and become who we really are to, to go on as a species. And who we really are. I didn't realize at the time that stillness was the transformation I was looking for. That I'm not this person. I am the stillness that is the same as the stillness Ro is, that is the stillness Oprah is. And we're all in it right now, in every moment. And it's, 
You're right. It's just all you can do is, is burst into tears because it's so deep. Yeah. I'm, I'm profoundly moved by it and the recognition of it. And mm. so I feel so joyful and so blessed that I was able to recognize this in my lifetime and didn't have to take my last breath to say, ah, I was stillness. Yeah, <laughs> you know? the whole time. You know? The, the whole, whole time. time. It was always holding us. It was always holding us. I'd like to end with your passage where you write about peace. This is where I am right now mm. in this state of contentment and peace. And you write, when we struggle for things in a state of desperation, they don't come to us. Yeah. Nothing works when it's misaligned. But when we return to a state of peace, the things we've ordered can finally reach us. It yes. boils down to this. Peace, oh, I love this. Peace is your home. Integrity is the way to it. And everything you long for will meet you there. Speak to that, will you? Yeah, well, you were the one who I heard you once say, the universe will not reward your desperation. And I looked around at the people who were sort of clawing desperately to succeed. And what you said landed so deeply and resonated so deeply with me. And so I, as I sort of explored my own integrity, what I, what I came to believe, because every time I do an integrity cleanse and go in deeper and do another year without lying, uh, more and more miraculous, magical, wonderful things would happen to me. And I came to see the world like this. Every prayer we pray, I don't care if you believe in God or not, everything you ask for with your, your whole heart is immediately given to you. Bang! It's always answered yes. It always comes straight to you. But it's only sent to your real home address, which is peace. If the universe sent everything you wanted to desperation, you would stay in desperation and be miserable your whole life. So the universe says, puts everything at your real destination. And as you find your truth and you go back inward and you cleanse out everything that's conflicted in your life and you begin to always live in harmony with yourself, you find the peace that has always been your home address. And you walk in and stuff you prayed for when you were two is just waiting for you. Stuff you prayed for when you were 42 wow. is waiting. Everything is answered yes. We just have to go to peace. And the way to it is our own truth. That is remarkable. Thank you, Martha. Always Thank great you. to talk to you. So Such good a to great see you. book. The Way of Integrity, everybody, uh, Finding the Path to Your True Self is available right now wherever books are sold or you can download in an instant or you can order. Uh, you know what? I really hope that people go to the, also to their local bookstores because so many local bookstores have been, been hurting right through now. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Martha Beck, The Way of Integrity. Great. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.